We're going to talk about growing. We, we, we are growing as a church, and, and, and I, I think it's awesome when God grows us wide, when we see more uh, people come and our gatherings are growing. But really, we want to grow, not horizontally, but vertically. We want to grow in our connection with God. We want to be connected with the creator of the universe and know his design and purpose for each of our lives. We're, we're talking about these rhythms. And so this morning, we're going to talk about five healthy habits, these rhythms that help us grow up to become more like Jesus. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a band director. Did you have something that you wanted to be when you grow up? Anybody, uh, anybody, uh, any other band directors? I didn't think so, okay. Uh, any pastors? Yeah, I didn't think so either. Doctors and lawyers and firefighters and policemen and teachers. Oh, thank God for teachers. So, hey, I wanna know if you are doing what you said you wanted to do when you grew up in life. Can, can I see your hands? If you are doing what you said you wanted to do, look at us. Hey, we're doing, we're doing good, y'all. We're accomplishing things here on earth. Uh, I got to direct, this is a true story, uh, when I came on board as a student pastor in 2014, uh, the middle school uh, band director was no longer there, and so they actually asked me, I was volunteering with the uh, saxophone section at the high school, and they asked me to direct the band. So I got to fulfill my dream for three months, and then I was good. So I got, I got, it, I got it out of me. But here's the thing about that question. What do you want to be when you grow up? Oftentimes, we answer that question with a vocation. We answer it with a profession. What do you want to do? I, I think if we were to ask that question honestly, we should ask it, what do we want to become? Who do we want to become like, because again, oftentimes we, we revolve our identity over what we do. Well, I'm a doctor, so, so that, that's who I am, or I'm a lawyer, that is who I am, a teacher, I teach, that's who I am. But thank God that God doesn't see us by what we do. He doesn't identify us by what, he, by what we do. He defines us by who we are in his life. So let me ask you a question. Who do you want to become like? Maybe that's a grandpa or a grandma that interceded for you when you were a kid and, and read the scriptures to you and prayed for you or a neighbor that introduced you to church or, or maybe it's you're, 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 you want to be like someone that you know now. It's a season of life ahead of you and you just want to grow to become like them. As followers of Jesus, we all want to become more like Jesus. So that's what I want to look at these habits that form us to become more like Jesus. We've been reading this verse in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Maybe you're weary and burdened because you are doing a lot, and it's not accomplishing what you want it to accomplish. Or maybe you're weary and burdened because you're not doing what you want to be and you're stuck in a season, and, and you want to be in a different season, Jesus says, come to me. In verse 20, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, when we follow Jesus, we don't only call him Savior, but we also call him Lord, which means that we submit ourselves to him and we take his yoke upon us. We do what he's asked us to do, and these rhythms are actually what bring us rest. 
and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and all of these fruits that bring about life in our season of life. Now, Romans 12 says, do not conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed. So quick question. You don't need to raise your hand or, or speak out loud, but just to frame where we are going in this season, are you conforming to the patterns of the world? Are you becoming more bitter, jealous, angry, ambitious for something that is not of God? Or, or, or are you transforming? Are you being transformed by the renewing of your life and, and knowing that God's will is perfect and pleasing even in this season that may not be ideal for you? Are you becoming more peaceful, more joy-filled, more gentle and kind, stronger, confident, more secure? These habits help us become that. See, we all have goals, and goals are good. There's a book called Atomic Habits. It's a secular book by James Clear, and he says, goals are good for setting a direction, but systems are best for making progress. So you may want to become like someone. That's a good goal, but we need to work these systems. We need to create structure. In, uh, in our faith, as we follow Jesus, we need to be disciples. We need to have a, a formation strategy so that we can become more like Jesus. A, a great book, which is a, a Christian book. Uh, Scott gave it to me. Uh, a community group leader gave it to me this week. Uh, Justin Early wrote The Common Rule, and he said this, I had lived my whole life thinking that all limits ruin freedom, when all along it's been the opposite. The right limits create freedom. So when we put these habits into practice, into our standard operating procedure as people, what we then see is that we're actually more free. We're, we're more, again, peaceful. We're, we have the capacity to be Jesus to those around us, to love those that are hard to love, to forgive those that hurt us, to bless those who persecute us. These habits are crucial. So these habits are found in Acts chapter 2. We looked at the verse last week when we talked about gathering this week. We will discuss these habits that will bring about this type of rest. One more scripture before we dive in. John 15, 1 and 2. Jesus is speaking to the disciples. He's saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. That word remaining also means abiding. It means having that intimate connection, vertical connection with God personally. Person. So we're, we're going we're gonna, to, last week we talked about the gather, the corporate, the importance of gathering corporately. Now we're talking about connecting personally with God. All right, so what are these habits? They're not new. They were what the early church lived out. These are the habits that formed them, and I believe they're the same habits that are to form us. And here they are in Acts 2, 42 through 43. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of the bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I'm going to identify five. And this word devoted is where we got to start because it doesn't say that they were trying or they were, they were like, you know, sampling or they were kind of like going for No, they said that they were devoted. They were serious about 
these. See, later on in church history, the, our, our ancient church fathers, this is way before a Protestant, we're a non-denominational church, you know, a Protestant church. There, there was no Catholic, there was no Protestant. They were just Christians, okay? And there was the church. They developed this thing called a rule of life that helped them with this devotion. Pete Scazzaro wrote an incredible book called Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and he says this, a rule of life is a trellis, it's a structure that helps us abide in Christ and become more spiritually fruitful. It's an intentional, conscious plan to keep God at the center of everything we do. So not only are we supposed to like do these things, but we're supposed to be devoted to them. Hear me loud and clear. They were devoted because God first, they believed that God first was devoted to them. Okay, so this is not anything that we do. These habits aren't anything that we do to, to increase God's love for us. We can't do that. We can't do that. No, all of these are a response to God's love in our lives. The disciples here, uh, the church was about 120 before the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2, and then it says 3,000 came. So they had a church of about 3,100 people that were all in, that were devoted. If we're in athletics, then we know this verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, 25. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. When we practice, when we're devoted to these habits, that impacts our kids, in our kids' kids, in our community, in a way that has eternal impact versus something that is just temporary parents. The best thing that we can do for our kids is model discipleship because they will become who we are today. For some of us, that's really encouraging. And for some of us, that may be a little scary because we are the number one disciplers of our kids. They see us, they absorb us. And so the best way to disciple our kids is to be a disciple ourselves and practice these habits. What are they? Here we go. First one is this. To the apostles teaching scriptures. Really cool in context. I mean, the, they, were, they, were, they, were, they were devoted to the apostles Teaching. So what is that? That's the 39 books of the Old Testament. That's the four uh, canonical gospels that we have in our, in our Bibles. They weren't written yet. They're actually writing them in real time. And then the apostles were, were realized, what, what is the rest of the Bible? So the epistles and Revelation, all of that was written in the decades to come. So scripture was literally being spoken during this time. Could you imagine what it was like to be in that type of environment? So Cool. Second Timothy three sixteen through seventeen says this about all uh, the whole Bible, all Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good 
work. See, here's the thing. As followers of Jesus, we need to know that the Bible is up here and we submit under the Bible. Even when we don't always understand it, even when it may be a little confusing, we trust that God's word is his and it's true. And so we just say, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dig in. I, I want to ask questions. I want to ask good questions that help refine my faith. But ultimately, I'm going to trust that your word is holy and true. And so we submit ourselves under the scriptures. That's the first thing that the early disciples were doing. They were saying, we're going to fully commit ourselves to the teachings from the beginning in Genesis, again, through the scriptures that were being written there in real time. When Joshua was moving God's people into the desert, same kind of thing happened. This is what's written in Joshua 1.8. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua didn't go into the land with a war strategy. He didn't go into the land with the perfect way of governance or even with his own person. No, he went in with God's word. Then he said, when you trust God's word, when you meditate on it, another word for that is ruminate on it. When you think about it, when you read it, when you consume it, you chew it, you think, you process. What does this mean? How does this apply in my life. Then you see success and prosperity according to what God says success and prosperity is not the world or anything else. So we have a lot of resources on Taylor's favorite website, the ccc.guide. If you click the grow button, there's a list of resources that you can take uh, home and, and think about use with your kids this morning. The habit I want to challenge us with is to memorize scripture, to maybe choose one verse and commit it to memory so that you can just Think about one verse for a day, for a week, for a month. doesn't need to have a time line attached to it, but there's something powerful that happens when we memorize God's word. If you know Bob Moss, our pastor of spiritual formation, if you spent five minutes in conversations with him, there's a really high chance that he's going to speak out of scripture. He's devoted uh, most of his life to memorizing scriptures. One of the skills that he first learned when he uh, met the navigators on a Navy ship and gave his life to Jesus. By the way, he and Linda just celebrated 59 years of marriage yesterday. I think he was here in the first service. Yeah, 59 years. I'd like to think that memorizing scripture was uh, part, of, part of the secret, but you'll have to ask him what the secret uh, to marriage is. So memorizing scripture, you, you, you don't even have to read it. You don't have to pull out your phone to cite it. You already have it in your mind and in your heart. It just does something to us. The apostles' teaching is what they were devoted to. Here's what else. The fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So we talked about gathering last week. This week, I want to talk a little bit more about uh, sharpening one another. They were hanging out with one another, but they were hanging out with a purpose. They were trying to glorify God. And so I know that there was a lot of Proverbs 27, 17 going on in that early church gathering. You know, the verse, it says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. It's not only hanging out, but it's asking the hard questions. It's going deep with someone. In John 1, First uh, John 1, 5 through 7, John writes this, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light 
In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness. So if we claim to, to say we're, we're Christians, but then when no one's watching, our habits are habits that lead to darkness. What does this say? We lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, if our habits are his holy rhythms of grace, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another in the blood of Jesus. His son purifies us from all sin. It's a challenge for us when we gather one another, not just to check in. Let's do that. Let's be in each other's life, but also say, hey, how's your relationship with Jesus going? Maybe you pick out one person. The habit that I have for this week is to have an hour of intentional time over lunch with someone, a dear friend, or maybe someone that is a, a step ahead of you in a season that you can say, hey, I need help in this area. Hey, I need to bring this into the light. I've, I haven't told anybody that I've been stuck. See, here's what James 5.16 teaches us, that when we confess our sins to one another, we are healed for the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It's a mystery that God forgives us. When we ask God for forgiveness, every time he forgives us right then and there. But oftentimes we go back to those habits of darkness and what we need is to bring it out into the light with somebody else so that we may be healed. He wants us to be a part of the healing process. It's a beautiful picture of God's fellowship, his koinonia, his body of Christ. That's a hard and beautiful picture of what it looks like to sharpen our swords, sharpen each other. Let's be those people that when we're hanging out at the cafe or when we're grabbing uh, lunch or when we're out in our workplaces with another believer and it gets emotional and it gets real, people ask, what's different about them? Why is this strong man crying? It's because God's doing something in him. He's sharpening so that he can be more effective for his family, so he can be more connected with God, and that's also available to those outside. We'll hit that here in a second. So they were devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the prayers. Prayer. They were praying corporately, I know, but I know that they were also praying personally. It's a habit that we need to remember to keep in our lives. The secret place where only it's only God and me. Matthew 6, Jesus is talking to uh, the, the disciples. He's saying, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Think about that. When we do something, when we do a habit in, in internally, only we know when we do this, okay? Uh, when we do something to be seen by others, Jesus said, that's our reward. You got your, way to go, man. <laughs> but when we pray and go into our room and close the door and pray to our Father who is unseen, then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward us in his timing, in his way. See, God wants to be intimately connected with us. I tell my wife things that I don't tell anybody else. That's called intimacy. We, we share that Bond, and Jesus wants to share that bond, that same bond with us where we're only processing, we're only praying certain things only to 
him. Again, growing our connectedness, our vertical relationship with God. Uh, these four uh, words, uh, four, yeah, words praise, repent, ask, and yield are a good format. If you're wondering, how, how do I pray? Well, first, you're asking the right question. And second, Jesus gives us that in the Lord's Prayer. He says that a few verses down in Matthew chapter 6. And so we can praise. You can say, our God in heaven, holy is your name. You can just start by declaring God's goodness, who he is. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He is in control. He is good no matter what? And then we can repent later on in the prayer. It says, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me. So we can say, Lord, I came up short in this area. I pray for your forgiveness. I pray that I, this would change once in forever. And then it says, ask, ask that his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We can pray. Petition is another word for this. We can pray for ourselves, our family, our friends. And then lastly, we can yield and say, Lord, what do you want me to know? I'm going to be quiet now. What is something that I need from you today in this moment, in this season, in this circumstance? And watch how God sweetly and personally speaks in beautiful and amazing ways for all of us. That is the secret place. So five healthy habits, scripture, meditation, sharpen one another, secret place. We got two more. Let's go back to Acts 2. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, and the breaking of the bread, and prayers and Oh, can we say all that together? Oh, I think we need more awe oh, in the church, in our lives. That awe oh, that as we were singing, great are you, Lord, and you heard this resounding sound, recognizing that he is great and actually one that is to be feared, and yet he has come near. When we think about who God is, who we are, and the fact that he crossed over so that we can be reconciled to the living creator, the living almighty God, that should bring a sense of awe, which can be also defined as the fear of God and reverence. And the book of Ecclesiastes, it's a sobering book in the Old Testament. Make sure to read it all the way through, please. Don't stop in chapter 8. Keep going all the way to chapter 12 because it really gets, it's a bummer. In Ecclesiastes 12, written, written by the wisest man who's ever lived, we should listen to Solomon and his words. He says this to conclude the whole book. He says, that's the whole story. Here is now my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands. For this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. See, we all fear something. Maybe we fear our boss or, or we fear a professor or we fear a friend that we are trying to please or we fear failure. We fear something. May the fear of God be the number one fear in our life because if we truly see him for who he is and yet what he has done for us, there's this beautiful awesome thing that happens in us. Isaiah 8 uh, says this. Isaiah is prophesying a pretty dark season that is to come for the people of God. The people of God are about to be exiled into this foreign land. And he says this, the Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. He's talking about the world. And he said, don't call everything conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread. Don't live in fear of what frightens them. 
Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. And yet, verse 14, he will keep you safe. How do we do this? Challenge you this week to make a list of all your blessings. Count and list out many ways that God's come in through your life, life of your family, people that you know. You know what that requires? It requires us to stop. See, a lot of these spiritual disciplines, fasting, uh, practicing ceasing for one day, that's called the Sabbath, uh, silence, solitude, all of those are make, those make us still so that we can know who God really is. And the more we know, the more awe we will have in our life. I went long on that one, but I want to hit you one more scripture because I was talking with Bob Moss about this very thing. And he starts, <laughs> started reciting this scripture from memory. I want to share it with you. It's Hebrews 5, 7 through 9. He says this, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered a prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered and once made perfect. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Think about it. The father heard the son because of his posture of submission and of reverence. Awe is something we need to recover in our lives, a habit that will form us to become more like Jesus. Last one. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. He's the miracle worker. God is the miracle worker. These signs and these wonders were proof of God's goodness, of, of his presence there at, at the early uh, church season. And, and, and their, their signs, signs and wonders today are proof of God's goodness. The last habit is to speak Boldly. We need to be in prayer for miracles. We need to be boldly asking God because he says, asks. And here's how I want us to do it. First, if there is a miracle in our lives or there is a miracle that we need or a sign in someone's life, we need to believe that God is able to perform miracles. Anybody out there? God is the miracle worker. He and he alone. We believe that he can. And then we ask Lord, will you? Just like Jesus asked in the garden, Lord, will you remove this suffering that I'm about to endure? Will you remove this cup of wrath from me? But then what did he say? Lord, not my, but your will be done. So we believe that he can, and we ask that he will, and we trust whatever happens, knowing that God is ultimately good, that he hears our prayers, and he will heal. He will perform miracles in his way, not in our way or in our Timing, we need to speak boldly. What would it look like if this week, five, 10, 50 of us would pray for a stranger and simply just say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, and this may sound really weird, but can I pray for you? Is there anything that I can pray for you for? And then you could either say, they could either say no, and then you just walk away and you look like a Christian. <laughs> 
because you're, you're, you're saying what you believe, you know? Like, well, I do believe the God, and I asked, and they said, no, God bless you. Or you could do something that may be routine for us as Christians. We'll forget in a couple of weeks, but they will never, ever forget. The day they needed a prayer, someone at a gas station, in the job, in, in the office, someone randomly in, the, in town asked, can I pray for you? And they felt supported. They felt cared for. They felt seen. See, we pray in the secret place. We already talked about that. What does it look like to pray these bold prayers out in our community? Man, if we practice these habits, we will be on fire for Jesus. And we will be accomplishing what, what Paul writes in Ephesians 4. This is the aim of what we do as his Church, he's uh, talking about uh, the, the the currents and and all these things that are moving and shifting back then in the world, and there's still all these uh, patterns and things that, that that crowd our minds and they're noisy and just not of God. And he said, instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of His body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly. Uh, together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What would happen if people said, yeah, that church, Cypress Creek Church is a church that is growing and it is healthy and it is full of God's love. As we personally activate these rhythms in our life so that we could become more like Jesus, Joel and team, you guys can come back up. I uh, think back about John 15, this uh, beautiful verse that talks about our connection with God. And I just wonder for us, what branch do we need to cut off and what branch do we just need to tweak? Do we just need to prune? What habit, what commitment, what thing in our life do we need to remove so that we can be more fruitful for him as we walk with him. And for some of us, we need to be grafted in the vine by saying yes to Jesus. We, we need to fully surrender and say, man, I've been working these habits and they're leading me to exhaustion. And I'm waking up every day with this incredible stress. And I just need to give it all up to God and remain and abide and live for him instead of for us. And so if that's you this morning, I want to invite you to say yes to Jesus. He draws us to him. He came and loved us first. We get to respond and say yes to him and then watch what he does with our lives. So if you're able to stand, let's close in prayer. We thank you, God, for your goodness, we thank you, God, for your order and your direction, this rule of life that the early church practiced that you want us to practice. Father, I pray uh, that we would be faithful in, in, in practicing these in our lives. and may, may they be a part of our standard operating procedure daily, God. We want to become more like you. We trust that this is the way, how. And so, Father, I pray for every home, for every family, your rest, your peace, your joy, your life. And God, for those of us that, for those of us that you're drawing near to you, I pray.